Hello, welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with George Ortega and Mitch. And in our last episode, we discussed randomness, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about what our message needs to be. How do we explain it to people? Um, because people, you know, they're not just interested in truth. People have emotional needs. There's certain things they need to know that this understanding of no free will will actually benefit them. Because a lot of them, they get their meaning and their purpose, at least they think they do, from the idea of making choices, that they're in control of their lives. And so if we just pull, if we just give them the straight truth, that's not very appealing now, is it? Certainly. Yeah, that's our challenge. So, I mean, the place to always start, right, is the legal system. That's where we go. So we say, so um, we can look at uh, the current laws that are in place, the, uh, the offenses, uh, the amount of time that, pres that uh, pardon me for one second, I'm sorry. Yes, but so when someone does something wrong, instead of blaming them for their wrongdoing, what we're really doing is we're trying to solve problems, right? This is why we have the legal system. If someone is a threat to society, we have to help them or in extreme cases, remove them from society if they cannot be helped because they're a threat to the social order. But the key should really be to help people, not to punish people. Punishing doesn't make sense. So this will allow us to um, re-examine, uh, for example, the amount of time that we give for prison sentences. You know, why do people, why do you go to jail for so many years just for possessing a drug? Why is this happening? So I think uh, people who are interested in prison reform would be receptive to this idea that free will is incoherent, free will is an illusion, if they recognize that it's inextricably tied to this idea of prison reform. Anybody yeah. want to okay. go from there? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think, for one thing, the idea of free will is in conflict with prison reform. Because if people had a free will then there would be no causality by which to reform people. So you basically have to get rid of the notion of free will. You have to get rid of the notion of randomness and get strict down to causality in order to figure out a system of how to reform criminals and reduce crime. And also, like, so basically, why do we have punishment? In other words, like, if we didn't have this belief, this concept, of free will. Well, actually, I was going to say we wouldn't have punishment, but Mitch, we've talked about this before. In other words, <laughs> like, um, yeah, and it's a difficult, um, you know, because again, um, for example, let's say one is a parent, right? And you, um, a toddler is, and, and I, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like, you know, lean more toward your, Mitch, your kind of like solution of positive reinforcement rather than punishment. Sorry. And, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to kind of like find one, one, um, or deterrence. I think deterrence work, works better. In other words, like, for example, we have um, laws, right? Like, for example, um, insider trading, insider trading. Okay, if we didn't have a law against insider trading, these people in corporations would be just like, you know, basically like giving out this information to their friends that allowed them to kind of like a very, you know, unfair advantage over others and, you know, just make a lot of money, make other, other people lose a lot of money. It would be unfair. It would be unjust. So, so in other words, like, it's, it's difficult to conceive of how we can maintain that rule, that law, 
without some kind of punishment to serve as a deterrent. You know, that's that's the problem. And so, like, but I think the, the problem also is that, like, free will believers believe we require, you know, this, this concept of free will in order to, like, have this kind of punishment and, and the deterrence that it creates. But, you know, I think we need to explain how, no, fine, we, we might still need the laws and the punishment as a deterrent, but that, that has, that's a completely different um, concept than, than, like, in other words, it just doesn't um, require the, the belief in free will. If some, well, as you know, we have a, a slight difference of opinion when it comes to punishment. One of the few places where we uh, disagree a little bit. I have, but to get a little bit focused here, um, if someone has the brain of a sociopath, then someone has the brain of a sociopath. That's what that person is. So whether or not we blame them or free will exists or it doesn't exist, whatever, the point is that person is a threat to society and something must be done. So the first thing is to remove them from, from society. That is, put them you know, in a holding cell, put them in prison, whatever. Put them in some kind of environment where, they're in, where it's less likely that they're able to hurt anyone. And then the next step is to help that person. Try to cure that person. Try to reform that person. And you try your best. You do it in the most humane, compassionate, moral way you can. And sometimes you're going to fail. Life is hard. That's just the way it is. Some people look for quick, easy answers. But, you know, um, unfortunately, in reality, sometimes we have moral dilemmas. Sometimes there is no quick, easy answer. What's required is patience and intellectual honesty to solve problems. Yeah, it's definitely not an easy, quick fix. We know that. So here the question becomes, I mean, like, the it could be again we just we need a deterrence so it, so it could be that the separation from society is enough of a deterrence we don't need to add punishment beyond that to deter yeah. people from why do inmates have to wear the same color uniform why do they have to have their sexuality oppressed why do they have to, why does solitary confinement exist why why do they have to eat bad food why do they have to you know, the kind of things we do, they're so archaic. These are just, these are just vestigial ideas from, these bar, from our barbaric kind of ancestors. We used to punish people and think every, you are completely in control of everything you do, so you deserve this sort of bad treatment. Right. It really, doesn't really accomplish anything. No, I mean, it doesn't accomplish anything. And it, it's the false premise, this belief that we actually deserve things. Yeah. I mean, it's... Unfortunately, it's very rare, at least in uh, in Western society, that people go into prison and become better people. They're surrounded by really horrible criminals. They have to adapt to a strange, you know, anarchistic sort of society just to survive in prison. So it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. Prison is supposed to be, you can't be in society right now because you are a threat. We're going to try to help you. If we can't help you, you don't get to come back in society. But this is what this place is here for. Why do we help mentally ill people, but we don't help people who are not mentally ill? That's excellent, because the mental, mental illness is a paradigm. The whole mental health system is an institution that works with the understanding that people don't choose to be mentally ill. In other words, like these are medical conditions. Nobody's blaming people for them. Yet, you know, they're separated from society, they're helped. Right. right. And really, is there that much of a difference between, you know, the, the, so, the so labeled mentally ill 
and a lot of the criminals who are doing dangerous things. That's a very, very, very good point. All right, so we're so we're addressing one, you know. So in other words, people need to be assured that civilization is going to run. That nobody, you know, that that overcoming, you know, free will belief is not going to just give people license to do whatever they want. You know, again, we have to set a minimum kind of like a condition that people will say, well, you know, I don't want to perform this kind of act because if if you know if I get caught, whatever, there's a certain consequence. Now. I'm saying that for today. Who knows? In 100, 200 years, a lot of people don't commit crimes, not because they're afraid of the punishment, because they know they're, it's wrong to commit the crime, you know? And I think we as a civilization are moving in that direction. But, but I'm not sure we're there yet, you know? So like, so, but the free will belief, it adds, I, Mitch, I think I mentioned this in the last meetup. They've actually done experiments where like, you know, uh, subjects are, are, are told this person, Half of the subjects are primed to believe that, that person had free will. The other half were primed to believe that that subject had to do what they did, no free will and all. And what happened was that the, the, the subjects that believed the, the, the person had free will um, suggested um, sentences that were twice as long. You know, so this horrible kind of like retributive, vengeful, you know, um, really like hate. Um, that 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 is attributable yeah. directly attributable to prove your audio is cutting out a little bit mine is yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes when i'm not hearing certain words you're saying wow i don't know yeah okay um mitch were you hearing me on uh, uh, yeah, i, 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 I had the also? same issue that uh chandler said but yeah but i got i got the idea and i, I did hear this uh the statement before but yes i got it okay all right, so here's another um, another barrier I think people have to to understanding that nobody has a free will. People will say, well, you know, if I don't have a free will, if people don't have a free will, what's the point of anything? What's, you know, life loses all meaning. Yeah. That, well, first of all, life doesn't have meaning. So, so that's the first thing. Uh, so people... That's another bumper sticker. Um, uh, you know, if you if you want a purpose in life, you go out and you make a purpose. You know, you you can find purpose by solving problems, by helping people, by you know, by doing something. I don't know. Yeah, benevolent I mean or charitable, but um, there is no meaning or purpose to life but that but i don't think fatalism is uh is a is a necessary consequence of recognizing the reality of determinism i really don't see it i know i personally became more optimistic i became a better i i started to think that i am a i am just an object that is constantly capable of change all these things that i thought i could not do i realized i could do given the right kind of external influences, I could become anything. So I think there's a lot of ways, it's really just a uh, psychological way that you approach it, you know? You can always give it a positive spin, I think. Yeah, and I want to respond to what Mitch said about the whole purpose thing. I've always been kind of annoyed at this idea of purpose. I mean, because 
what's interesting is that um, I don't think that there's like a purpose, like a one-size-fits-all idea of purpose. I think purpose is whatever it is that you become passionate about, which, of course, is still out of your control. But, hey, you know, you find something you like doing, whether that's painting or, or playing a musical instrument or singing or dancing or watching My Little Pony or recording podcasts with all kinds of crazy people. You know, whatever it is, and that becomes your purpose. Yep. Right, let me let me present my purpose, because I think purpose kind of changes whether we're attributing it to ourselves or to whatever is making us do what we do. Because, like, if we attribute it to who we are, how we're designed, we're hardwired to seek pleasure pain. So from that perspective, everyone's purpose is happiness, you know, and some people may not admit that, some people may not understand that, but again, this is kind of like a biological drive. But here's the, here's the, the, the catch, is that we don't have a free will, so obviously... You're cutting out again. Oh, yeah, now you're really cutting Our purpose. Oh, man. Um, guys, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. you've been cutting out for like three seconds at a time. This is right, sad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come off and then come back on, yeah. Okay, and I guess I'll continue with talking with Mitch during that. Okay, yeah. yep. Yeah. I, so, yeah. Well, I, well, while George is gone, let's explain the meaning of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Yet. I gotta go. No, no, he's still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, because like I think what George was trying to say is about how we all seek pleasure and avoid pain, and so in a way, we're all just trying to be happy in whatever way that you know we can, whatever the way our biology and the way our environment has enabled our biology to take place, you know, there's certain things that make us happy and certain things that don't make us happy. And so we're basically programmed to do what we want. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's not hurting somebody else. <laughs> well, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, what led us to this, what George was saying is, well, if you're trying to convince someone that, you know, free will is incoherent, is an illusion, um, when you make a statement like that, is that, does that, does that help? Does it help to tell them, oh, yeah, by the way, there's no purpose in life. Uh, purpose is <laughs> but, but, but so, right, so what we, yeah, so he's back. I'm sorry, guys, I'm back on. I'm going to try it again. Okay, basically, uh, we're, we're hardwired to seek pleasure, avoid pain. So in a certain sense, as people, that becomes our purpose. You know, in other words, Aristotle said, everything is a means to life except for happiness, which is the only end. But the, the, the catch is that, like, we don't have a free will, so it's not our purpose. So in other words, like, the, the real question is, like, whether we define it as the universe, reality, the laws of nature, God, whatever it is that's controlling everything, does that have purpose? And I think that's where we have to conclude that we can, we can never know the purpose of existence. In other words, like, why does, why does existence exist? Why does existence, you know, do what it does? That, that's where, like, and so again, there's, when we can apply purpose to us biologically in terms of our, you know, hedonic um, imperative, you know, seeking pleasure, avoid, avoiding pain, but because we're puppets and then, you know, basically to us, it's not really our purpose. A, a lot of this is ego as well, you know, so we talked about these, this notion of responsibility, how people, 
want to blame bad people for being bad, but people also want to leave a legacy. I think that's, uh, that's really connected to this idea of purpose as well. People want to say, I was here to do this. I get credit for doing this. Look at me. whoop de doo And they go, well, if free will doesn't exist, then uh, I'm not responsible for anything. I don't deserve credit for anything. So that's another issue. So It's kind of an interesting thing because, like, I mean, you know, like, for example, the way I'd explain it is, you know, I want to I wanna make an impact on the world, and yet I'm not going to care when I'm dead for the rest of eternity, you know, yeah. whether or not people are crediting me. I'm not going to care. I don't really care now as it is, you know. I just I just wanted to leave it a better place than when it, the way it was when I first got here. <laughs> right. I mean, and that's, that's the thing to say, right? That's what I guess we should all strive to do, right? Just make the world a better place as corny as it sounds it's uh right and it's not an individual yeah it's not an individual pursuit i think that's what george's getting at it's something we all want to do it's the purpose of life is happiness we and we could all make a happier world you know but i think um for a lot of people who believe in free will their ego gets in the way of happiness because it, all of a sudden it no longer is about the collective happiness of people as a whole but about them being happy at the expense of everyone else, which doesn't lead to overall happiness. That's a good point. Right. Okay, guys, so like one, one fear, one concern people have. I remember Nick and I did a, an episode on like, when do we first you know, start explaining to children that nobody has a free will? Nick, Nick kind of like suggested, well, you know, maybe like when they're teenagers or something. My idea was like, as soon as, like, uh, uh, let's say a toddler starts blaming another toddler for something and wants the other toddler hurt, you know, my, my feeling was that, like, if the toddler is, like, is um, aware, intellectual, smart, whatever, you know, enough to be able to blame someone else, that that toddler should be able to, like, understand the, that, that they don't have a free will. Now, here's a problem. Like, I... I um, I think on that episode, somebody um, posted a comment saying, like, that's a terrible thing to to do to a child. You know, it's kind of like almost like the depriving child of Santa Claus or something. It's, a, it's just so. So how would we address that? In other words, like, you know, people like, for example, children like to take pride in what they do. You know, they they start to ride a bicycle. Wow, I rode the bicycle. How do we message it to or should we? I mean, like, it. it perhaps right should we not teach kids about this concept until they're older what are you what are you guys thoughts um yes this is this is kind of an interesting thought because i've thought about this theoretically if i had kids which is extremely unlikely but just theoretically i think about this and i kind of agree with george if they're starting to blame um, other kids or people and they are trying to punish them and feeling like they deserve it, I think then is a really good time to explain why that's not logical, to explain why that's not right. Uh, I concur. <laughs> uh, no okay, but how, guys, how do we address, in other words, like a parent um, might say, well, you know, my child derives great pleasure from accomplishments like so like if we tell the child well you know you, you got to understand that like 
what you did that, that, that we think is good, that you think is good, it really wasn't up to you. You know, you had to do it and all. Um, how, I don't think what, it's necessary. To, why is it necessary to say that? I don't think that's necessary. I mean, like, for example, I know what causes the wind to blow. But anytime the wind blows, I don't run up to everyone I meet on the street and explain to them <laughs> of the changes in atmospheric pressure. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, wait I don't, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. My point is that you just you don't have to explain the root cause of everything at every moment. You can, you can use positive reinforcement, sure. Good no, job. I know, I know Nick. But, all right, so you're but you're but so are you saying that we don't need to explain to young children that they don't have a free will or we don't need to explain to them like the causes for why things happen? I think at strategic moments you can invoke uh you know, this deterministic reality we have and use it as a teaching point for a Excellent. child. I but get you don't it, yeah. need to at every single second, you know, dash someone's hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah, so in other words, yes, that, that's perfect. In other words, like, if they're blaming, you know, their, their, their friend for something, you know, hey, you know, you know, it really, you, you shouldn't blame them because, like, they're just the way they are because they're their work. Or if they're blaming them, themselves for something, listen, don't blame yourself. Don't feel, you know, we all make mistakes. We're human. That's part of being human. But then, like, so, like, if they do, like, they, you know, let's say they, they're in Little League, they hit a home um, to feel good that they've been lucky. I, it's the same principle for adults, you know, like, not to feel boastful or arrogant or proud, proudful and all, but to feel good that the universe has allowed them to do that. I'm not sure how you'd frame that to like a six-year-old and all, but like, you know, just like, hey, yeah, we, we still applaud, you know, certain acts, you know, that, that we deem like are, are, are good and, and beneficial and all, yeah. Well, a another issue to, to understand is uh, you, we don't have to be successful in, in making a six-year-old understand this concept. The six-year-old will grow up. So, I, I mean, I... I'm, I don't Excellent have point. kids. Excellent I don't know point. the best way to raise them and teach them lessons. I'm sure they're more experienced uh, people who can do that, but the child yeah. will grow up. And when the time is right, you know, as long as you're pushing them, encouraging them to be skeptical, to be honest, if you're encouraging their scientific curiosity, when the right time comes and they're capable of understanding, that, you know, then you can have that conversation with them. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, and what's interesting is I think that um, it's mostly just when there's a negative thing, when they're blaming somebody else or they're blaming themselves or something like that. That's the guilt and blame that I really want to remove. And so that would be the times when I would bring it up if I was going to bring it up to a kid. You know, um, if they're if they might if they're if they're feeling proud about being able to ride their bike or hit a home run or something. I mean, e even though it's equally true that they can't take credit for it, that's just, they're not going to be as receptive then. They're gonna, because right then, they're all joyful about this thing that they think they achieved. So I'll let them grow out of that. <laughs> but, when I, but, but I would probably, when it, when it involves blame of themselves or self or others, that's when I would, I would talk to them about it, about the causes of why you know why you can't really blame people including yourself let let's go back to adults can you guys think of any other kinds of like reasons people have for not being able to accept that we don't have a free will and what we need to say well 
I know for a lot of people, the reason that they hold on to the belief in free will is because they have to believe that they, uh, as well as other humans, are at fault for the evil in the world, so they don't end up blaming the God they believe. I know that's a really big one for a lot of people. All right, that's that's a good question. Oh, Mitch, you know, like you know, like eighty, ninety percent of people here in the United States believe in God or a higher power. So, um, you know, aside from the question of whether that God exists, you know, according to our definitions and all, how do how do we address that? Yeah, that's a big, big, big problem. So, uh, you know, yeah, free will is often um, used. Believers often use free will to defend their religious beliefs, to sort of uh, create their reality and explain why it makes sense. So once you introduce this notion, you are definitely challenging their beliefs. And I think people recognize this. They immediately recognize that this term free will is often used perhaps in their local place of worship or by their religious leaders. And that's certainly another source of bias that, uh, that we can identify. Now, I happen to be an atheist because um, I'm a logical, rational person, and that is a conclusion that it's often described as a conclusion. So if you're a reasonable person, a rational person, one conclusion you come to is that, well, there's a lack of evidence for God, and it just doesn't make any sense. So the only way to be a reasonable person is to say, well, for now, I'm agnostic about this idea. There are no gods, there are no supernatural things, but I'm always willing to be presented with new evidence. So I think when you get to that point, you really have to sort of make an argument about the importance of reason, I would say there. Maybe even an atheistic sort of argument. I think then we've sort of crossed into a new territory. Yeah, because I mean, realistically, I mean, I think that, you know, getting, for example, like evolution... You know, I think that was an easier kind of like, you know, even so, 50% of Americans believe in creationism. But like evolution, I think, was easier than trying to disprove God. And I think trying to disprove free will is, again, trying to uh, easier than trying to disprove God. So, so I think, you know, kind of like as the lesser of two evils to the extent that, you know, the, the God that people believe in is just like, you know, so it's, it's so divisive of an idea in, in our modern world. Um, basically, here's one, one, um, one way we can approach it that, that, that may resonate with them. In other words, like, to the extent that they believe in God, and actually, you know, you know I, I say, you know, I'm a pantheist, like, to me, God and the universe is synonymous, but it's a kind of a scientific rather than theological understanding. But for people who believe in, like, the theological God of the Bible and all, basically, what we can say to them is, listen, um, if you believe you have a free will, then you're going around doing what you as this insignificant person, like these individuals, this huge, we're not really significant as people per se, but if, if you think of what you're doing as the will of God, in other words, like if, if nothing we do is up to us, everything has to be up to God, that might resonate with them. In other words, like we're all ambassadors or, you know, we're manifesting the will of the ruler of the universe, you know, that, that, well, I, of course, I'm not a fan of religion whatsoever. It's not really related <laughs> to this topic. So I am not going to try to help people uh, scrape up the remnants of whatever religious desires they may have. 
But you can certainly fight that crusade if you want. <laughs> that's that's not my that yeah my battle. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Mitch, and I agree with you. But what's interesting is I think George has a point that to some people that idea is going to appeal to them for whatever reason. I it never appealed to me, um, but for some people they get something out of it, the idea that they're doing the will of God. And for some reason, they find that more significant. Well, I, I'm interested in truth. I mean, I've said this before. I don't know if I've mentioned it yet on this uh, podcast, but I, I'm a big advocate of intellectual honesty in all endeavors, but in particular, intellectual honesty. In other, what I'm saying is, in order to solve problems, we have problems. We all recognize there are problems. Some problems are bigger than others. We have global threats. And in order to solve these problems, we need to correctly identify what the problem is. We need to propose solutions. We need to determine which solutions, which strategies are the best, implement the best of the best, and try to resolve these issues. So honesty is very, very important. And so uh, even if it serves some kind of need, some emotional or psychological desire for people, I would persist in trying to find objective truths, at least when it comes to important issues. And free will is an important issue. Yes, definitely agree there. Um, and we're, we're, we're over our 30 minutes, but I just wanted to say that, you know, any kind of quick fix, any, any fix that's based on a false belief is only a temporary fix, which is why our approach does need to be based in truth. So I agree with you there. Um, and... So other other fixes that might appeal to somebody's emotions or their religious belief may work in the meantime, but they are not a long-term fix. So it still needs to be focused on truth. So, yeah, we're a little over 31 minutes, so I probably need to end this one. Um, but this has been a good talk, guys. Okay. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebs, George Ortega, and Mitch. See you next time.